This episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast is affiliated with Blueberry. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com, and use promo code Jay Doherty at checkout for one month free. Hey everybody, this is David Axelrod of the Axe Files Podcast, and you're listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jay Doherty. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a recording of the live broadcast that happened when uh, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin had a meeting, a uh, joint press conference. I don't want to waste any of your time. I just want to thank Blueberry for sponsoring this event uh, and being our affiliate there uh, with us. So thank you so much to Blueberry. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is a a recording of the broadcast that just uh, happened with Russia. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Here's the broadcast. All right, everyone, welcome to the live broadcast. My name is Jay Doherty, and I'm covering uh, Donald Trump's event with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin. They just uh, are uh, apparently ju- they just got out of a meeting. Uh, they're going to be holding a joint press conference. Uh, they're in Helsinki, Finland right now, and I'm going to be covering it live here on the Jay Doherty podcast. Um, we talked about this meeting and talked about what they, what just recently happened uh, and what is probably going to happen at this meeting uh, on my other podcast called the JDRC Politics Podcast. Um, which is a podcast that we do every week. I do it with my uh, good friend and co-host, Ryan Clark. Uh, We talk about uh, politics and, uh, you know, world national news, um, just as it is, and and we talk about it, we give our opinions and everything like that. If you want to learn more about that podcast, which I'm sure you do, it's a really fun podcast that we both do, and we uh, delve into all the news and make sure, uh, you know, we have a sharp understanding about everything, you can go ahead and go to jdrcpolitics.com, or just listen to the podcast on iTunes, or I know if your favorite podcast directories were on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, and some other content partners uh, that we have, but we're live right now on the J. Doherty Podcast, uh, I'm very glad for everyone that is uh, watching live and tuning in live, uh, we're covering the uh uh, Trump-Putin press conference meeting that's going to be happening momentarily. Uh, we have some live video feed where we'll be feeding the audio through the podcast, and this will also be uh, put out through iTunes as well, this podcast. So if you're listening on iTunes, uh, or not even just the podcast itself, the pre-recorded podcast, welcome. I hope you can still enjoy the coverage. Uh, we're going to cut it up and edit it just to make sure you uh, don't waste your time and everything, but I do want to talk about what we could see in this meeting and what's happening, uh, what's happened with Russia very recently. So, uh, as you may know, Special Counsel uh, Robert Mueller has, you know, indicted the 12 Russian intelligence officials of the GRU, which is um, Russia's main intelligence directorate, uh, kind of like the Secretary of State's office or CIA or whatever. I, there is kind of a combination of the two. Um, and they've been indicted for hacking of the computer systems of organizers of the Democratic Party's efforts in the 2016 election. Now, if you want to see the actual indictment, which is a 31-page... No, no, I'm sorry. It is... How, how many pages is it? It's 29 pages. Uh, you can go ahead and go to j doherty.com slash indictment, J-A-Y hyphen D-O-H-E-R-T-Y dot com slash I-N-D-I-C-T-M-E-N-T. You'll be able to find it there. Um, and, yeah, you'll be able to see it. It's a very... Um, 
complex operation that they outline in the indictment. Uh, it's not, of course, the longest thing in the world, so you should be able to read it, uh, and it's very interesting. So uh, I encourage you to read it uh, as we wait for uh, the press conference to start. We have we see a lot of people, uh, presumably news reporters and other uh, officials, going into the room right now. However, we do not have eyes on uh, either Trump or Putin, uh, but we do see them getting uh, set up and everything, and we have multiple live video streams going in uh, to our studio right now. So we're just waiting for them to come out. But anyway, I'll talk about the indictment. So the indictment itself, if you don't want to read over it or you just want to kind of have some context about it, it describes in detail how the conspirators and who the people who object or, you know, the, the people whose object was um, their, their, their reason was or their, um, I guess their goal was to hack into the computers of the U.S. Uh, people and entities involved in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. They wanted to steal documents from the computers and stage releases uh, of stolen documents to interfere with the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And used, among other means, spear phishing hacking techniques in which they uh, kind of they masqueraded as Google, sending account activity and security alerts. You know, those things where you know, have you signed into this computer, blah, 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 and they'd send them to DNC uh, officials, and they would, uh, the DNC officials would click a link, um, and that was, uh, directed them to a website, and of course, unknowingly, was monitored by the GRU. The hackers also saw, uh, private information about a half a million U.S. voters from an online state election board website, and the indictment alleges officially now that the hackers were also responsible for the leak of John Podesta and other officials' emails, which were then distributed by, uh, WikiLeaks, of course, on the internet, which happened, uh, in real time, uh, in 2016 and throughout the election. Now, what's really interesting, though, is after all of this and everything like that, uh, and and all and and uh, you know this whole indictment coming out, the hearings, the, the investigations, President Trump and Vladimir Putin are now meeting for the first time. Of course, we'll have live coverage. We'll see what happens. It's uh, Donald Trump, and we'll get the clip in a second. We're going to take a break for a second and just uh, uh, wait for the conference to go live. But we'll, we'll get a clip of Donald Trump uh, saying that he is going to ask uh, Putin specifically, directly, the question, did you interfere with our election? Uh, and he already presumably had the meeting. He said he did. However, what is really interesting, and I have no idea why this happened, no idea whatsoever why this happened, um, there are no Americans in the room in this meeting. That was, I believe that was part of the agreement, but I know that, I don't know if it was part of the agreement, but I know that there were no Americans in the room uh, during President Donald Trump's meeting. Uh so it was only Russian people, and uh, again, I'm watching the live video stream, we're broadcasting this live, we see a bunch of people now running in the room, we're going to take a quick break, we'll be right back with uh, live coverage of President Donald Trump uh, and President Russian Ple- President Vladimir Putin coverage here of their live joint press conference after their meeting held in Helsinki, Finland. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back on the live stream, and if you're listening on the podcast, welcome back. Uh, hopefully, it's been edited out and everything uh, like that, so you'll be able to hear uh, live coverage and everything like that. And you won't be wasting your time uh, waiting for it like people are on the live stream right now. We have some live video uh, feed coming in 
to our studio from Helsinki, Finland, uh, and uh, nothing's happening in the room. There are tons of people uh, proceeding in, sitting down. We have some, that's basically what it sounds like, just some ambient noise coming from uh, the uh, room right now where President Donald Trump will be uh, holding this press conference with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin. It's going to be a joint press conference. Um, but I do want to just, again, give some context. I talked about this uh, indictment in the past, um, <clears throat> but it has been confirmed, and as I said before, that President Donald Trump will bring up, or according to himself, he will bring up meddling in the election. Just take a look at this clip uh, on uh, July 13th, 2018, just a couple days ago, when President Trump confirmed that himself. I know you'll ask, uh, will we be talking about meddling? And uh, I will absolutely bring that up. I don't think you'll have any, uh, gee, I did it, I did it, you got me. There won't be a Perry Mason here, I don't think, but you never know what happens, right? But I will absolutely, firmly ask the question. Uh, and hopefully we'll have a very good relationship with Russia. I, you know, I think having, and, and the Prime Minister would agree. If we have so that was with a, uh, that was in a meeting with uh, President Donald Trump, the press conference with Theresa May, which we also covered on the JDRC Politics podcast. But I think what's really interesting uh, and what's happened before um, is Donald Trump asked the Russians in a press conference a long, long time ago, uh, it was on the... Uh, let me, let me, I'm, I'm not sure exactly of the date. Again, this is live, so I wasn't able to uh, really research all of this uh, uh, specific dates, but I do know the facts about what happened. Uh, Trump, basically in a meeting, and we covered this again on JDRC Politics, um, he asked Russians to start getting the Clinton, start getting Hillary Clinton's emails. Now, of course, it was made in a kind of uh, sarcastic type of manner. Um, it wasn't really serious, like, Russia, please send your investigative team, uh, get Hillary Clinton's emails. Why don't I just play the clip so you can get kind of a better understanding and we'll analyze it in just a second. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happened. Now, after this, he literally... The Russians literally did that. Um, they started doing that. Um, and we talked about the details and all of that um, on, you know, on the JDRC Politics podcast. And I apologize, I'm taking uh, short little breaks here. Um, I'm getting word now from someone out. And this is all going through the talkback. There's a couple... Uh, Alright, yes, so we're going to take a quick break. We believe the press conference is going to be starting in just a couple of seconds. Uh, everyone, oh, almost everyone is seated. They're all members of the press and uh, officials. We'll be right back. It's the Jay Doherty Podcast. We're live covering uh, Donald Trump and President Putin's meeting in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, it looks like the press conference is about getting ready to start. The room is almost nearly full. Again, uh, we'll be covering that now. I'm getting tons of instructions and things uh, from people who are telling me uh, right now over the recording. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're covering Donald Trump and uh, Vladimir, <coughs> excuse me, Vladimir Putin's meeting in Helsinki, Finland uh, about everything that's happening right now with news in Russia and news in America. We'll be right back. It's the Jade Doherty Podcast. We're live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back on the live stream. Very interesting choice of music here. <laughs> um, anyway, we're back on the live stream. Um, 
and the podcast. It is, what time is it now? Our studio clock says it is 9.44 and oh, 9.45 and 3 seconds now on the Jade Dory Podcast live stream. This is also being recorded, so if you're listening on the recording, welcome. Uh, thank you so much. We've been live streaming for about, uh, let's see here, about 45 minutes. Uh, we'll continue our coverage, of course. Uh, we're getting some live feed again, of course. Everyone now is seated. Uh, everyone is ready and in full anticipation of this um, very... It could go unexpected in an unexpected route. It could be very, um, you know, just routine, just like another press conference. Uh, let's pull up that live sound feed here. Still some ambient noise in the room, but it's still kind of nice to uh, hear and see exactly what's going on. We expect uh, Putin, President uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin, and uh, United States President Donald Trump to walk out any minute on the stage uh, to do their joint press conference. Uh, I would say there's about 100 people in the room right now, maybe a little bit more. Uh, They're very tightly packed in. Again, this meeting is being held in Helsinki, Finland. Donald Trump has met with uh, the president or uh, leader of Finland, uh, I believe is what happened this morning. Uh, And um, they talked about, it was basically a breakfast meeting just to uh, sit down and meet. But yes, their meeting is in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, and we're going to continue to watch this live here on the J. Doherty Podcast. I believe they'll walk out again any minute now, uh, and we are very interested to see exactly what's going to happen, um, and see if they bring up the indictment. Uh, there's a 29-page indictment. You know, the indictment was very complex. Uh, the It outlined how complex their operation was, and, uh, you know, just exactly, you know, very detailed things about it, uh, and again, as I'm watching the live stream, I see a gentleman walking back and forth, uh, I believe, I don't know what, uh, exactly, uh, his position is, or what he's doing, uh, right now, but everyone's seated, everyone's quiet, they're patiently awaiting, and someone has just walked on stage, uh, I believe it is one of the spokespersons for President Putin, uh, they are, or, or perhaps President Donald Trump, but they just play something on the podium, uh, again, you can watch this live stream on the Jade Wardy podcast, or if you're listening on the actual pre-record or the post-recorded podcast, uh, welcome to you as well. We have live video on the stream, live audio on the podcast, and we're live on YouTube. And uh, yeah, live on YouTube, and uh, and yes, uh, we're also live on uh, Stitcher Radio and a couple other places that, uh, and everywhere we can go live on, I'm getting word here from some people, I'm listening to things in my headphones that you, you're not hearing, so it's a little bit distracting, but, uh, let me just go through this indictment right now, so, uh, really quickly, what I thought, and I pointed this out on the JDRC Politics Podcast, um, there was a time in this whole Russian interference. It was so complex. So there, this is on page 11. It's on section 28A. Uh, here's a part, a paragraph uh, from that uh, portion of the document. And again, there's just some ambient noise from the uh, room. Again, it's not some background noise. I'm just going to go ahead and cut that out right now uh, for now. And uh, we'll see what happens. But this is a part uh, 28A, page 11 of the document, where it says, for example... On or about April 22nd, 2016, the conspirators compressed gigabytes of data from DNC computers, including opposition research, and the conspiracy uh, conspirators later uh, moved the compressed DNC data using X-Tunnel to a GRU-leased computer located in Illinois. So this operation was not just in 
you know, New York or Washington, D.C. It was all throughout the country. It was all planned out. Uh, and apparently from what this indictment said, it was very well thought out, especially uh, on the Russian side. But I do want to get some analysts' opinions on this. Uh, so uh, I'm going to play a clip of, there's an interview um, with uh, Chris Cuomo, CNN's Chris Cuomo, and Roger Stone uh, talking about that. And if you don't know, Roger Stone was a former Trump campaign official. Um, he's appeared on Alex Jones' Infowars and uh, shows like that, if you know what I mean, uh, especially if you, listen, if you listen to JDRC. But let's just uh, go ahead and see what he has to say. This is when they're talking about the indictment and exactly what happened, uh, and we're going to be uh, listening to that right now, just to give you some context before you actually hear uh, what's about to go down with President Donald Trump and President Putin. Here's Roger Stone and Chris Cuomo on a live interview uh, on CNN primetime. They're a public relations device uh, in which they prop up the investigation and they make allegations that are yet unproven in a court of law. Well, they are unproven in a court of law, but you can't read this indictment, I don't think, in conjunction with the last indictment that we had of almost a dozen people and the other indictments that have come out and the intelligence community assessment of what happened and the Senate Intelligence Committee assessment of what happened and not face the reality that the United States was hacked by Russia during right. the election. So this is really, really interesting, what he's about to say. Now, of course, as Chris Cuomo just alluded to, and everyone should allude to, because it's true, this was not proven in a court of law that the Russians hacked or interfered with this. However, there, as he has just stated, there are many committees and people in the Senate and people... Uh, you know, that have uh, worked together on the United States' uh, United States' behalf, the government's behalf, to try and figure out what happened with Russia, and if they hacked, what their motives were, and everything like that. And with all those committees, it's all been proven that the Russians have had some collusion with the election. And, however, what Roger Stone is about to say, and I'm going to play just a couple seconds behind from where we left off, what he's about to say, he still refuses to believe that the Russians had any interference with the election whatsoever. Uh, we're going to play that clip right back here. This is Chris Cuomo and Roger Stone again. Of what happened, and the Senate Intelligence Committee assessment of what happened, and not face the reality that the United States was hacked by Russia during the election. Will you accept that as fact? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I think it is still unproven. There's an enormous amount of forensic evidence that points to a conclusion uh, based on the download times that there oh was okay, no hack and that uh, <sighs> the material, the alleged That's not true, though. You know, like what he's saying is completely false. But, eh, you know, anyway, we'll, 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 we'll I don't know. That's why I'd like to see where a trial. Uh, the, Nation, the Nation magazine, in an extensive article based on the article. findings of Bill Binney, and Ray McGovern. These yes, guys have had subpoena power and the complete tools of the United States. Now I can listen to this interview all day, uh, and you'll be able to find it on our website, embedded in the show notes and everything like that. And I appreciate everyone finding all these clips and, and uh, everything like that. We're going to continue to monitor what's going to happen with uh, President Donald Trump, President Putin. It seems like it's the exact same scene where we just left off uh, with people. And again, we'll, we have some live video feed ambient feed and you can actually hear some news reporters reporting live from their seats 
um, which is kind of cool to see that behind the scenes uh, there. But we have a live video camera up here in uh, from a kind of a bird's eye view of the room. Uh, we have and uh, it's set where two podiums are just in the center with a nice little table and the Russian American flags uh, set up in the background with an amazing room with chandeliers and. Uh, and, and it looks very nice and everything, and everyone's patiently, or not so patiently, awaiting, ready to take notes and see what's going to happen with President Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin's meeting uh, with uh, in Helsinki, Finland, about just everything. Uh, you know, they've had a long past, uh, you know, talking about each other. Um, and I think the question is, of course, again, as we analyze this Roger Stone interview, why are Republicans or people like Roger Stone and Donald Trump, why are they feel beholden to Russia? And, you know, it might be some business deal that Trump has with Russia, but he should just say that instead of making himself look, you know, like he's something that he's not or we presume him not to be. I don't know why he could, you know, he could just admit that and everything would be over with. Or he could drag it out to this long thing that, that's that been happening since two years ago, before he was even president, um, you know, and I just, it's, it, it can start to, um, have people question why Trump or anyone would be so beholden to Russia, or not even beholden to, I guess a word would be, a better word to describe it would be, um, tied to them, or just continue to bring them up, and after all these people, all these committees that worked hard to, uh, you know, try and find evidence of what happened. They say that it points to Russia. However, he believes Putin. And, you know, of course, Trump said he's going to ask Putin straight away in the meeting. Who knows if he actually will? He probably will, or he'll say he will. But who cares what Putin says? I mean, has he always been honest? No. No. So if he said, okay, did, did you interfere with the election? Um, if Trump says, you interfere with our election, did you meddle in it? What, whatever he says, Putin could say no, and it could be mean the same reason, same thing as he said yes. You know, he he lies. He's foxy. I don't know why you would trust him over, especially when you're an American trusting a Russian, uh, especially when he's the president of Russia and you're the president of the United States. On this particular matter. I don't know, there are committees on your side, and these it's all political reasons. I'm not saying it's the Russian people. I would never say it's the Russian people. It's all political reasons and historical reasons why, pre why Trump and Putin and people that are analyzing this say what they're saying. And that's why. It's, it's really that. It's political and historical reasons um, why, this, why all this is happening. Um... But again, we're, we're continuing to analyze uh, what's happening. We have some, uh, still some live video feed. Um, people, uh, I believe this conference is probably going to start in about four minutes. It starts at the top of the hour. It's 9.56 a.m. It's the Jade Doherty Podcast. We'll be right back uh, on the live stream and on the Jade Doherty Podcast. Go to j-doherty.com slash live uh, if you want to see the podcast live. It is streamed every single week on jdashdorty.com. We'll be right back. Again, we're monitoring the situation. We expect the press conference to go live in about 3 minutes and 10 seconds. We'll be right back. It's the Jdorty Podcast.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're we're back. We just uh, it's at nine fifty nine and fifty four seconds on the clock right now. Uh, we have uh, multiple news reporters live in the room. We have again that live audio feed and video feed coming through from uh, Helsinki, Finland. You can even hear the news reporters just in the ambient noise talking about what's about to happen. Uh, it is now ten o'clock on the dot. Uh, a little bit after, so we will uh, a couple seconds after actually. So we are going to um see what's going to happen and expect them to come out probably in the next couple of minutes. They're always just running a little bit uh, behind, but I believe that's probably planned. Uh, they might be out here in a couple, like a 10.02, 10.04, something like that, uh, but they will definitely be out here in just a couple of seconds. Again, we're getting that live feed uh, from multiple sources right now, from the White House themselves, some couple of video content partners that we're getting feed from, um, uh, from different locations of in the room and everything like that. Um, we just heard some news reporters reporting now from their seats and looking at uh, cameras and people like that. Uh, we will be live uh, broadcasting this, and we're very curious to see exactly what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break, and next, Donald Trump and President Vladimir Putin meeting live uh, in Helsinki, Finland, uh, news reporters. It is now 10.02 uh, right now, or 10.01, excuse me, uh, and we're live. It's the Jay Doherty Podcast. You're listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast live. That's some ambient noise. Uh, in the room, again, it's getting a little bit more chaotic as the meeting is about to start. Uh, we're going to continue to cover it here. This is our last break. We expect President Donald Trump and President Putin to uh, join right now, right here uh, uh, in Helsinki, Finland, uh, and on the live stream that we're broadcasting now. You can hear some reporters. They're all standing up. People are uh, not so patiently awaiting uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin and United States President Donald Trump in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, they are going to be stepping out here in just a moment. We expect we'll get that ambient uh, feed coming through right now. Everyone seems to be quiet, so they're probably going to come out in just a second here. Alright, so I believe a couple people just walked in. Uh, I don't see the live feed right now. Oh, uh, there are some people. Oh boy. I believe it's a protester of some sort of kind here. Um, I don't know exactly what's happening. Uh, there are, boy, I can't even see exactly what's happening, but there is some sort of security issue, uh, here at the, um, in Helsinki, Finland, in this room, someone's holding a sign of some kind, uh, and they are fighting security right now, there are police, there's basically hecklers that are in the room right now, you can get the idea, there's, uh, hundreds of people videoing this right now, it doesn't seem to be, be violent in any way, however, the man is resisting, um, arrest, but security have now formally escorted him out of the room, and actually, they're going behind the flags throughout the main entrance of the uh, building, it seems to be, so uh, there has been a little bit of, of a fight ensued, but of course, the these things can 
happen when, <laughs> when there's such a controversial issue coming up. Uh, but just a little bit of a security thing right there, I believe. That'll probably be uh, on the, <laughs> the news uh, very soon. Let's see exactly what's happening uh, from our different sources. I don't know who that man was. He might have just been uh, someone, uh, some random person, or it could have been, you know, an official of some sort. Um, um, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens exactly again. I said we weren't going to take any breaks. I don't think we are, but we are just patiently awaiting uh, President Donald Trump and President Vladimir Putin um, to be out uh, I'm waiting uh, here for them to uh, be out uh, and speaking here in Helsinki, Finland. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sort of repeating myself. Um, I'm getting instructions. I don't... Uh, oh, it was a reporter. He was forcibly removed from the Trump-Putin meeting. It was... So it was a reporter. It does not look... Uh, appear to be an American reporter uh, from what we've seen here. Um, but, yes, it is. So it was a reporter that was uh, removed from Trump from the Trump meeting, everyone is filming it on their cell phones, uh, and it was, wow, a little bit unexpected there, but it was a security thing that they were able to remove him from, uh, the area in Helsinki, Finland, of course, uh, and he is gone now, escorted out by security, there might be another, a couple of more hecklers, uh, that, that will be able to manage their way in, probably not the public, might be a couple reporters that want to speak and, uh, send their message, but that reporter really did want to, uh, send his message, message, and he did do it, everyone was filming it, and, uh, security were, were able to, uh, forcibly remove him out of the, uh, out of the room. Uh, we'll get, well, we're waiting a confirmation on his name. He was not an American reporter from what it seems to be. Uh, and yes, uh, we're awaiting confirmation. The room seems to be getting a little bit more quiet. Uh, and uh, there's still a couple reporters uh, standing up reporting and awaiting uh, what is about to happen. And I believe a couple uh, people just walked in. Um, and yes... Yes, um, um, First Lady Melania Trump, I believe, just walked in, uh, and a couple other officials. I don't, I can't confirm if that was her or not. Um, yes, it was. Um, yes, and I'm getting people, alright, so there's a couple people walking in right now. Uh, we're gonna see, uh, Sarah Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House Press Secretary, just walked in with a couple of other, uh, what appears to be, uh, the President's cabinet members or other, uh, White House officials that are walking in right here, right now. Uh, it's the Jay Doherty Podcast. We have live coverage of exactly what is happening uh, here in Helsinki, Finland, the meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin and United States President Donald Trump. We have Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, there, a couple other members of, uh, I don't know if they're cabinet members, but they are definitely White House officials or uh, United States government officials that are awaiting the meeting in Helsinki, Finland, uh, we believe they're about to walk in here, uh, and, yes, yeah, so there, people are waiting, and the doors have now officially been open, and President, United States President Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin are about to walk in, let's see what happens. And there we go, President... Uh, Donald Trump and President Vladimir Putin have just walked in. They're standing. Uh, President Donald Trump is on the right. President Vladimir Putin is on the left. Helsinki 2018. Donald Trump. Vladimir Putin.
Let's get this live feed here. All right. They've just walked in. We have this live stream going on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, here is President Donald Trump. Vladimir Putin there at the podium getting ready to speak. Thank you so much. Shall we start working, I guess? Distinguished Mr. President, ladies and gentlemen, negotiations with the President of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, took place in a frank and businesslike atmosphere. I think we can call it a success and a very fruitful round of negotiations. We carefully analyzed the current status, the present and the future of the Russia-United States relationship, key issues of the global agenda. It's quite clear to everyone that the bilateral relationship are going through a complicated stage. And yet those impediments, the current tension, the tense atmosphere, essentially have no solid reason behind it. The Cold War is a thing of past. The era of acute ideological confrontation of the two countries is a thing of a remote past, is a vestige of the past. The situation in the world changed dramatically. Today, both Russia and the United States face a whole new set of challenges. Those include a dangerous maladjustment of mechanisms for maintaining international security and stability, regional crises, the creeping threats of terrorism and transnational crime, it's the snowballing problems in the economy, environmental risks, and other sets of challenges. We can only cope with these challenges if we join the ranks and work together. Hopefully, we will reach this understanding with our American partners. Today's negotiations reflected our joint wish, our joint wish with President Trump to redress this negative situation in the bilateral relationship outline the first steps for improving this relationship to restore the acceptable level of trust and going back to the previous uh, level of interaction on all mutual interest issues. As major nuclear powers, we bear special responsibility for maintaining international security. I deem it vital, and we mentioned this during the negotiations, it's crucial that we fine-tune the dialogue on strategic stability and global security and non-proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, we submitted our American colleagues a note with a number of specific suggestions. We believe it necessary to work together further on to interact on the disarmament agenda, military and technical cooperation. This includes the extension of the strategic offensive arms limitation treaty. It's the dangerous situation with the global American anti-missile defense system. It's the implementation issues with the INF treaty. And of course, the agenda of non-placement of weapons in space. We favor the continued cooperation in counterterrorism and maintaining cybersecurity. And I'd like to point out specifically that our special services are cooperating quite successfully together. The most recent example is their operational cooperation uh, within the recently concluded World Football Cup. 
in general, the contacts among the special services should be put to a system-wide basis, should be a, uh, brought to a systemic framework. I recall, I remind, reminded President Trump about the suggestion to re-establish the working group on anti-terrorism. We also mentioned a plethora of regional crises. It's not always um, that our postures dovetail exactly, and yet um, the overlapping and mutual interests abound. We have to look for points of contact and interact closer and a variety of inter international fora. Clearly, we mentioned the regional crisis, for instance, Syria. As far as Syria is concerned, the task of establishing peace and reconciliation in this country could be the first showcase example of the successful joint work. Russia and the United States apparently can act proactively and take assume the leadership in this issue and organize the interaction to overcome humanitarian crisis and help Syrian refugees to go back to their homes. In order to, to accomplish this level of successful cooperation in Syria, we have all the required components. Let me remind you that both Russian and American military have acquired a useful experience of coordination of their action, established the operational channels of communication, which permitted to avoid dangerous incidents and unintentional collisions in the air and in the ground. Also, um, crushing terrorists in the southwest of Syria, the uh, south of Syria, should be brought to the full compliance with the Treaty of 1974 about the separation of forces, about s separation of forces of Israel and Syria. This will bring peace to Golan Heights and bring a more peaceful relationship between Syria and Israel, and also to provide security of the state of Israel. Mr. President paid special attention to the issue during today's negotiations, and I would like to confirm that Russia is interested in this development, and this will act accordingly. Thus far, we will make a step toward creating a lasting peace in compliance with the respective resolutions of uh, Security Council, for instance, the Resolution 338. We, it is, we're glad that the Korean Peninsula issue is starting to resolve. To a great extent, it was possible thanks to the personal engagement of President Trump, who prefer, opted for dialogue instead of confrontation. You know, we also mentioned our concern about the withdrawal of the United States from the JCPOA well, uh, the U.S., our U.S. counterparts are aware of our posture. Let me remind you that thanks to the Iranian nuclear deal, Iran became the most controlled country in the world. It's submitted to the control of IAEA. It effectively ensures the exclusively peaceful nature of Iranian nuclear program and strengthens the non-proliferation regime. While we discussed the internal Ukrainian crisis, we paid special attention to the bona fide implementation of Minsk agreements by Kiev. At the same time, the United States could be more decisive in nudging the Ukrainian leadership and encourage it to uh, work actively in this. We paid more attention to economic ties and economic cooperation. It's clear that both countries, the businesses of both countries, are interested in this. American delegation was one of the largest delegations in the St. Petersburg Economic Forum. 
it featured over 500 representatives of American businesses. We agreed, me and President Trump, we agreed to create a high-level working group that would bring together captains of Russian and American business. After all, entrepreneurs and businessmen know better how to articulate this successful business cooperation while let them think and make their proposals and suggestions in this regard. Once again, President Trump uh, mentioned the issue of the so-called interference of Russia in the American elections, and I had to reiterate things I said several times, including during our personal context, that the Russian state has never interfered and is not going to interfere into internal American affairs, including election process. Any specific material, if such things arise, we are ready to analyze together. For instance, we can analyze them through the joint working group on cybersecurity, the establishment of which we discussed uh, during our previous contacts. And clearly, it's past time we restore our cooperation in the cultural area, in the humanitarian area. As far as I think you know that recently we hosted the American congressman delegation, and now it's perceived and portrayed almost as a historic event, although it should have been just a current affairs, just the business as usual. And in this regard, we mentioned this proposal to the president. Um, we have to think about the practicalities of our cooperation, but also about the rationale, the underlying logic of it. And we have to engage experts on bilateral relationship who know history and the background of our relationship. The idea is to create an expert council that would include political scientists, prominent diplomats and former military experts on both countries who would look for points of contact between two countries. That would look for ways on putting the relationship on the trajectory of growth. In general, we are glad with the outcome of our first full-scale meeting, because previously we only um, had a chance to talk briefly on international fora. We had a good conversation with President Trump, and I hope that we start to understand each other better, and I'm grateful to Donald for, the, for it. Clearly, um, there are some challenges left when we were not able to clear all the backlog, but I think that we made the first important step in this direction. And in conclusion, I want to point out that this atmosphere of cooperation is something that we are especially grateful for to our Finnish hosts. We're grateful for Finnish people and Finnish leadership for what they've done. I know that we've caused some inconvenience to Finland and we um, apologize for it. Thank you for your attention. Ha! He apologized to Finland. All right. Anyway, uh, President Donald Trump and uh, President Putin just finished, so Donald Trump will go on to Thank make a you. statement I right just now. Concluded a uh, meeting we'll with analyze President that after. Putin on a wide range of critical issues for both of our countries. We had direct, open, deeply productive dialogue. Went very well. Before I begin, I want to thank President Ninisto of Finland for graciously hosting today's summit. President Putin and I were saying how lovely it was and what a great job they did. I also want to congratulate Russia 
and President Putin for having done such an excellent job in hosting the World Cup. It was really one of the best ever, and your team also did very well. It was a great job. I'm here today to continue the proud tradition of bold American diplomacy. From the earliest days of our republic, American leaders have understood that diplomacy and engagement is preferable to conflict and hostility. A productive dialogue is not only good for the United States and good for Russia, but it is good for the world. The disagreements between our two countries are well known, and President Putin and I discussed them at length today. But if we're going to solve many of the problems facing our world, then we're going to have to find ways to cooperate in pursuit of shared interests. Too often in both recent past and long ago, we have seen the consequences when diplomacy is left on the table. We have also seen the benefits of cooperation. In the last century, our nations fought alongside one another in the Second World War. Even during the tensions of the Cold War, when the world looked much different than it does today, the United States and Russia were able to maintain a strong dialogue. But our relationship has never been worse than it is now. However, that changed as of about four hours ago. I really believe that. Nothing would be easier politically than to refuse to meet, to refuse to engage, but that would not accomplish anything. As President, I cannot make decisions on foreign policy in a futile effort to appease partisan critics or the media or Democrats who want to do nothing but resist and obstruct. Constructive dialogue between the United States and Russia affords the opportunity to open new pathways toward peace and stability in our world. I would rather take a political risk in pursuit of peace than to risk peace in pursuit of politics. As President, I will always put what is best for America and what is best for the American people. During today's meeting, I addressed directly with President Putin the issue of Russian interference in our elections. I felt this was a message best delivered in person, spent a great deal of time talking about it, and President Putin may very well want to address it, and very strongly, because he feels very strongly about it, and he has an interesting idea. We also discussed one of the most critical challenges facing humanity, nuclear proliferation. I provided an update on my meeting last month <coughs> with Chairman Kim on the denuclearization of North Korea. And after today, I am very sure that President Putin and Russia want very much to end that problem, going to work with us, and I appreciate that commitment. The President and I also discussed the scourge of radical Islamic terrorism. Both Russia and the United States have suffered horrific terrorist attacks, and we have agreed to maintain open communication between our security agencies to protect our citizens from this global menace. Last year, we told Russia about a planned attack in St. Petersburg, 
and they were able to stop it cold. They found them. They stopped them. There was no doubt about it. I appreciated President Putin's phone call afterwards to thank me. I also emphasized the importance of placing pressure on Iran to halt its nuclear ambitions and to stop its campaign of violence throughout the area, throughout the Middle East. As we discussed at length, the crisis in Syria is a complex one. Cooperation between our two countries has the potential to save hundreds of thousands of lives. I also made clear that the United States will not allow Iran to benefit from our successful campaign against ISIS. We have just about eradicated ISIS in the area. We also agreed that representatives from our national security councils will meet to follow up on all of the issues we addressed today and to continue the progress we have started right here in Helsinki. Today's meeting is only the beginning of a longer process, but we have taken the first steps toward a brighter future and one with a strong dialogue and a lot of thought. Our expectations are grounded in realism, but our hopes are grounded in America's desire for friendship, cooperation, and peace. And I think I can speak on behalf of Russia when I say that also. President <clears throat> Putin, I want to thank you again for joining me for these important discussions and for advancing open dialogue between Russia and the United States. Our meeting carries on a long tradition of diplomacy between Russia, the United States, for the greater good of all. And this was a very constructive day. This was a very constructive few hours that we spent together. It's in the interest of both of our countries to continue our conversation, and we have agreed to do so. I'm sure we'll be meeting again in the future, often. And hopefully, we will solve every one of the problems that we discussed today. So again, President Putin, thank you very much. All right. So their meeting has just concluded, or their speeches, uh, but they're going to take some questions from the press uh, right now uh, in the audience. There are, uh, there are so many cameras there right now. Uh, but some very interesting comments made. Uh, Putin just outright denying that they had any collusion uh, in the campaign. They did not interfere with it at all. Uh, there are some people, some press uh, uh, reporters asking some questions right now. We're going to get to their answers in just a second. This is the Jay Doherty Podcast Live. We'll continue our coverage of this event next. Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline makes Europe a hostage of Russia. And you suggested that you could free Europe from this uh, by supplying American LNG. But this cold winter actually showed that the current model, current uh, mechanism of supply of fuel to Europe is quite viable. At the same time, as far as I know, U.S. had to buy even Russian gas for Boston. I have a question. The implementation of your idea has a political tinge to it, or is it a practical one? Because there will be a gap formed in the supply and demand. 
mechanism. And the first, it's the consuming countries who will fall into this gap. All right, so and I can already question, tell that this is... Before the meeting with President Putin, right. you called him an adversary, a rival. And yet you expressed hope that you will be able to bring this relationship to a new level. Did you manage to do this? Well, actually, I called him a competitor. And a good competitor he is. Uh, and I think the word competitor is a, uh, it's a compliment. Uh, I think that uh, we will be competing when you talk about the pipeline. I'm not sure necessarily that uh, it's in the best interests of Germany or not, but that was a decision that they made. We'll be competing. As you know, the United States is now, uh, or soon will be, but I think it actually is right now the largest uh, in the oil and gas world. So we're going to be selling LNG, and we'll have to be competing with the pipeline. And I think we'll compete successfully, although there is a little advantage locationally. And Trump even actually said, and this is kind of not true, but he, he uh, what he's saying right now, because he said the other day he wanted to pull from the emergency oil supply because the economy is doing bad, but we'll just ignore that. And uh, they have a very close source, so we'll see how that all works out. But we have lots of sources now, and the United States is much different than it was a number of years ago when we weren't able to extract what we can extract today. So today we're number one in the world at that. And I think we'll be out there competing very strongly. Thank you very much. If I may, um, I throw in some two cents. We talked to Mr. President, including this subject as well. We are aware of the stance of President Trump. And I think that we, as a major oil and gas power, and the United States is a major oil and gas power as well. We could work together on regulation of international markets because neither of us is actually interested in the plummeting of, uh, the, of the prices. And the consumers will suffer as well, and the consumers in the United States will suffer as well, and the uh, shale gas production will suffer. Because beyond a certain price bracket, it's no longer profitable. To, to produce gas, but uh, nor we are interested in driving prices up because it will drain juices, live juices from all other sectors of the economy, from machine building, etc. So we do have space for cooperation here. That's the first thing. Then about the Nord Stream 2, Mr. President voiced his concerns about the possibility of disappearance of transit through Ukraine. And I reassured Mr. President that Russia stands ready to maintain this transit. Moreover, we stand ready to extend this transit contract that is about to expire next year in case if the dispute between the economic entities dispute will be settled in the Stockholm Arbitration Court. This goes to Jeff Mason from Reuters. Sarah Sanders introducing a reporter from Reuters. Uh, presumably Thank a question. You. Mr. President, you Donald tweeted Trump. this morning that it's U.S. foolishness, stupidity, and the Mueller probe that is responsible for the decline in U.S. relations with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? And if so, what would, you, what would you consider them that they are responsible for? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago, a long time, frankly, before I got to office. And I think we're all uh, to blame. 
I think that the United States now has stepped forward, along with Russia, and we're getting together. And we have a chance to do some great things, whether it's nuclear proliferation in terms of stopping. We have to do it. Ultimately, that's probably the most important thing that we can be working on. But uh, I do feel that uh, we have both made some mistakes. I think that the, the probe is a disaster for our country. I think it's kept us apart. It's kept us separated. There was no collusion at all. Oh, uh, wow. Everybody knows it. Uh, okay. People are being brought out to the fore. Uh, so far that I know, virtually none of it related to the campaign. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to try really hard to find somebody that did relate to the campaign. That was a clean campaign. I beat Hillary Clinton easily. And frankly, okay, no one asked you about that, though. You see, she, he, people asked, do you hold race. Russia accountable? And Immediately. Jumps down the press, the Democrats saying that he brutally beat Hillary Clinton. also zero collusion, and it has had a negative impact upon the relationship <clears throat> of the two largest nuclear powers in the world. We have 90% of nuclear power between the two countries. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what's going on with the probe. For President Putin, yeah, yeah, if I could yeah. follow up as well. Um, why should Americans and why should President Trump believe your statement that Russia did not intervene in the 2016 election, given the evidence that U.S. intelligence agencies have provided? Best, best question I've ever heard so Russian far. Russian officials that were indicted last week by a U.S. grand jury. Well, I'm going to let the president answer the second part of that question. But as you know, uh, the whole concept of that came up perhaps a little bit before, but it came out as a reason why the Democrats lost an election, okay. which, frankly, they should have been able to win because the Electoral College is much more advantageous for Democrats, as you know, than it is to Republicans. Uh, we won the Electoral College by a lot, 306 to 223, I believe. And uh, that was a well fought. Uh, that was a well-fought battle. We did a great job. And frankly, uh, I'm going to let the President speak to the second part of your question. But uh, just to say it one time again, and I say it all the time, uh, there was no collusion. I didn't know the President. Uh, there was nobody to collude with. There was no collusion with the campaign. And every time you hear all of these, you know, 12 and 14, it's stuff that has nothing to do. And frankly, they admit these are not people involved in the campaign. But to the average reader out there, they're saying, well, maybe that does. It doesn't. Uh, and even the people involved, some perhaps told missed stories, although in one case the FBI said there was no lie. There was no lie. Somebody else said there was. Uh, we ran a brilliant campaign, and that's why I'm president. Thank you. It was 306 to 232, not 306 to 222, by the way. As to who is to be believed, as to who is not to be believed, you can trust no one if you, if you take this. Where did you get this idea that President Trump trusts me or I trust him? He defends the interests of the United States of America, and I do defend the interests of the Russian Federation. We do have interests that are common. We are looking for points of contact. There are issues where our postures diverge, and we are looking for ways to reconcile our differences, how to make our effort more meaningful. We should not proceed 
from the immediate political interests that guide certain political powers in our countries. We should be guided by facts. Could you name a single fact that would definitively prove the collusion? This is utter nonsense. Just like the president recently mentioned. The whole indictment is full of facts. Yes, the public at large in the United States had a certain perceived opinion of the candidates during the campaign. But there's nothing particularly extraordinary about it. That's a usual thing. President Trump, when he was a candidate, he mentioned the need to restore the Russia-US relationship. And it's clear that a certain part of American society felt sympathetic about it. And different people could express their sympathy in different ways. But isn't that natural? Isn't it natural to be sympathetic towards a person who is willing to restore the relationship with our country, who wants to work with us? We heard the accusations about the Concord country. Well, as far as I know, this company hired American lawyers and the accusations doesn't, don't have a bucket, uh, doesn't have a fighting chance in the American uh, courts. So there's no evidence when it comes to the actual facts. So we have to be guided by facts and not by rumors. Now, let's uh, get back to the issue of these 12 alleged intelligence officers. Yes, I'm very of, interested to see Russia. what he has to say. I don't this. know the full extent of the situation, but the President Trump mentioned this issue, and I will look into it. So far, I can say the following. The things that, off the top of my head, we have an acting and existing agreement between the United States of America and the Russian Federation an existing treaty that dates back to 1999, uh, the mutual assistance on criminal cases. This treaty is in full effect. It works quite efficiently. On an average, we initiate about 100, 150 criminal cases upon requests from foreign states. Uh, for instance, the last year, uh, there was an one extradition case upon the request sent by the United States. So this treaty has specific legal procedures. We can offer that the appropriate commission headed by, by Special Attorney Mueller, he can use this treaty as a solid foundation and send an, a formal, an official request to us so that we would interrogate, we would hold a questioning of these individuals who he believes are privy to some crimes. And our law enforcement are perfectly able to do this questioning and send the appropriate materials to the United States. Moreover, we can meet you halfway. We can make another step. We can actually permit official representatives of the United States including the members of this very commission um, headed by Mr. Mueller, we can let them into the country and they will be present to this questioning. But in this case, there is, a, there is another condition. Uh, this kind of effort should be a mutual one. Then we would expect that the Americans would reciprocate and they, they would question officials, including the um, officers of law enforcement and intelligence services of the United States, whom we believe are, who have something to do with illegal actions on the territory of Russia. And we have to, um, to request the presence of our law enforcement. 
For instance, we can bring up the Mr. Browder in this particular case. Business associates of Mr. Browder have earned over one and a half billion dollars in Russia. They never paid any taxes, neither in Russia nor in the United States. And yet the money escaped the country. They were transferred to the United States. They sent a huge amount of money, 400 million as a contribution to, uh, to the campaign of Hillary Clinton. Well, that's their personal case. It might have been legal, the contribution itself, but the way the money was earned was illegal. So we have a solid reason to believe that some intelligence officers accompanied and guided these transactions. So we have a, an interest of questioning them. But we can all, that, that could be a first step, and we can also extend it. Options abound, and uh, they all can be found in an appropriate legal framework. And did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because he talked about bringing the U.S.-Russia relationship back to normal. I think there can be three questions from the Russian pool. Russia Today, you have the floor. Thank you so much. Uh, good evening to everyone. My name is Ilya Petrenko. RT TV channel. In English. Uh, Mr. President, uh, would you please go into the details of possibly any specific arrangements for the U.S. to work together with Russia in Syria? If any of these kind of arrangements were made today or discussed. My question to President Putin in Russian. Since we, we brought up the issue of football several times, I, ask, uh, I use the football language. Mr. Pompeo mentioned that when we talk about the Syrian cooperation, the ball is in the Syrian court. Uh, Mr. Putin, in the Russian court, is it true? And how would you use this fact, the, the, the having the ball? Well, I guess I'll answer the first part of the question. We've worked with uh, Israel long and hard for many years, many decades. I think we've never, never has anyone, any country been closer than we are. Uh, President Putin also is helping Israel. And we both spoke with Bibi Netanyahu, and they would like to do certain things with respect to Syria, having to do with the safety of Israel. So in that respect, we absolutely would like to work in order to help Israel. And Israel will be working with us, so both countries would work jointly. And I think that uh, when you look at all of the progress that's been made in certain sections with the eradication of ISIS, we're about 98 percent, 99 percent there, and other things that have taken place that we've done, and that, frankly, Russia has helped us with in certain respects, but I think that uh, working with uh, Israel is a great thing, and creating safety for Israel is something that both President Putin and I would like to see very much. Uh, one little thing I might add to that is the uh, helping of people. Helping of people, because you have such horrible uh, — if, if you see — and I've seen reports, and I've seen pictures, I've seen just about everything. And if we can do something to help the people of Syria, 
get back into some form of shelter and uh, on a humanitarian basis. And that's what the word was, really, a humanitarian basis. I think that both of us would be very interested in doing that. And we are. We will do that. Thank you very much. Excuse me, but for now, no specific agreements, for, for instance, between the militaries. Well, our militaries do get along. In fact, our militaries actually have gotten along probably better than our political leaders for years. But our militaries do get along very well, and they do coordinate uh, in Syria and other places. Okay? Thank you. Yes, we did mention this. We mentioned the humanitarian track of this issue. Yesterday, I discussed this with French President Mr. Macron, and we reached an agreement that together with European countries, including France, we will step up this effort. On our behalf, we provide military cargo aircraft to deliver the humanitarian uh, cargo. And today, I brought up this issue with uh, President Trump. I think there is plenty of things to, uh, to look into. The crucial thing here is that a huge amount of uh, refugees are in Turkey, in Lebanon, in Jordan, in the states that border are adjacent to Syria. If we help, um, help them, the migratory pressure upon the European states will drop, will be decreased manifold. And I believe it's crucial from any point of view, from humanitarian point of view, from the point of view of, of helping people, helping the refugees. And in general, I agree, I concur with President Trump. Our military cooperate quite successfully together. They do get along, and I hope they will be able to do so in future. We will keep working in the Astana format, I mean Russia, Turkey, and Iran, which I informed President Trump about. But we do stand ready to link these efforts to the so-called so small group of states so that the process would be a broader one, it would be a multidimensional one, and so that we will be able to maximize our fighting chance to, to get the, the ultimate success in the, in the issue of Syria. And speaking about the, having the ball in our court in Syria, President Trump has just mentioned that we've successfully concluded the World Football Cup. Speaking of the football, actually, Mr. President, I'll give this ball to you, oh, wow, and yes. now the ball is in your court. Uh, All the more Vladimir Putin the literally States had a ball that he just gave to President Trump. In 2026. Thank you very much. We do host it, and we hope we do as good a job. That's very nice. That will go to my son, Baron. We have no question. In fact, Melania, here you go. <laughs> oh, you just threw it to Melania. Wow, from the podium. Okay, well, okay. never Next happened before. Question never happened. from the United States. We'll go to Jonathan Lemire from the AP. Sarah Sanders introducing a reporter from the Associated Press. Thank you. Uh, question for each president. President Trump, yes. you first. Um, just now, President Putin denied having anything to do with the election interference in 2016. Every U.S. intelligence agency has concluded that Russia did. What, who, my first question for you, sir, is who do you believe? My second question is, would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016, and would you warn him to never do it again? So let me just say Second that best we question have I've ever heard. two thoughts. 
You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server. Why haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the Democratic National Committee? I've been wondering that. I've been asking that for months and months, and I've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media. Where is the server? I want to know, where is the server, and what is the server saying? With that being said, all I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me, and some others, they said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. Uh, but I have, uh, I have confidence in both parties. I, I really believe that this will probably go on for a while. But I don't think it can go on without finding out what He's happened kind to the of server. dodging the question. What happened to the servers going back to the server. of the Pakistani gentleman that worked on the DNC? Where are those servers? They're missing. Where are they? What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't Changing be gone so easily. I think it's subject. a disgrace that we can't get Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer, okay? Thank I'd you. actually like to see that happen. I'd like to add something to this. After all, I was an intelligence officer myself. <laughs> and I do know how dossiers are made up. Just a quote, just a second. Through, you know, the, the under the, the communist regime of the second thing. Uh, your predecessors. I believe that Russia is a democratic state, and I hope you're not denying this right to your own country. You're not denying that United States is a democracy. Do you believe United States is a democracy? And if so, if it is a democratic state, then the final conclusion in this kind of a dispute can only be delivered by a trial, by the court, not by the executive, by the uh, law enforcement. For instance, the Concord company that was brought up is being accused it's been accused of interference. But this company does not constitute the Russian state. It does not represent the Russian state. And I brought several examples before. Well, you have a lot of individuals in the United States, take George Soros, for instance, with multi-billion capitals. But it, does that make him, his position, his posture, the posture of the United States? No, it does not. Well, it's the same case. There is the issue of trying a case in the court. And the final, uh, the, the final say is for the court to deliver. We are now talking about the private, in the, the, the individuals, and not about particular states. And as far as the most recent allegation is concerned about the Russian intelligence officers, we do have an intergovernmental treaty. Please do send us the request. We will analyze it properly, and we'll send a formal response. And as I said, we can extend this cooperation, but we should do it on a reciprocal basis, because we would await our Russian counterparts to provide us access 
to the persons of interest for us who, who we believe can have something to do with the intelligence services. Let's discuss the specific issues and not use the Russia and the U.S. relationship as a loose change, the loose change for this internal political struggle. A question for President, for President Putin. Thank you. Uh, two questions for you, sir. Can you tell me what President Trump may have indicated to you about officially recognizing Crimea as part of Russia? And then secondly, sir, do you, does the Russian government have any compromising material on President Trump or his family? <laughs> President Trump and uh, well posture of President Trump on Crimea is well known and he stands firmly by it he continued to man maintain that uh, it was illegal to annex it we our viewpoint is different we held a referendum in strict compliance with the UN Charter and the international legislation they're For so us, cordial with issue, each we other. Put bait to this know. issue. And now to the compromising material. Yeah, I did heard this rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. I treat President Trump with utmost respect, but back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Well, let's take St. Petersburg Economic Forum, for instance. There were over 500 American businessmen, the high-ranking, the high-level ones. I don't even remember the last names of each and every one of them. Well, do you remember, do you think that we try to collect compromising material on each and every single one of them? Well, it's difficult to imagine uh, another nonsense of a bigger scale than this. Wow. Well, please just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. It would have been out long ago. And if anybody watched Peter Strzok testify over the last couple of days, and I was in Brussels watching it, oh. it was a disgrace to the FBI. It was a disgrace to our country. That's not And you true. would say That's that was true. a total witch hunt. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Uh, we covered that on JDRC Politics. Uh, uh, Louis Gomer was accusing him, calling his wife cheating and everything, but wow, there is a lot to talk about there uh, with the meeting that just happened uh, and everything like that. That ended, that live stream just ended there. We uh, have now stopped our live feed. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we are going to uh, take a quick break, but before, I just want to clarify on the thing that I just said. Uh, Basically, what happened was, and I don't know if we still have this clip, uh, Louis Gohmert uh, was testifying, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, what's his name, uh, Peter Strzok from the FBI, who headed the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails, was testifying, in, uh, or was, you know, in the hot seat, and... A guy named uh, Louis Gomert, who was the chairman of the committee that he was testifying under, was just completely um, going after him, saying that, uh, you know, just basically just attacking him over and over and over again, questioning his credibility, cre uh, questioning his character as a person, as a human being, and everything like that, uh, and just really, it was kind of, um, 
I don't know. He said again, and I strongly agree with him on this, the fact that he was attacking him and saying the things about his personal life and how his professional beliefs impact his personal life and his, um, you know, political beliefs may influence what happened after he had some uh, issues with, I think it was his wife, I didn't read into all of that, but I knew that there were some issues that occurred, uh, with them and, and, and everything like that, and he brought, Louis Gomer brought that into the case, it got really, um, really just, uh, just kind of ugly in their fight, it was more, it was probably one of the most personal fights I've ever seen, uh, happen, and, uh, the title of the pod, JDRC, is You Need Your Medication, because when Louis Gomer said, made that comment about, uh, his wife, one of the senators, uh, screamed out, you need your medication, and I thought that was very interesting, so we named that, uh, as the title, and we'll have that clip again on JDRC Politics, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, kind of get our teams to analyze this, we'll be back in, uh, about a minute, we'll have full analyzation, perhaps on the JDRC Politics podcast, but for a couple minutes, we're going to sit down and talk about what, uh, recently just happened, uh, uh, in Donald Trump's and, uh, Vladimir Putin's joint press conference. We'll be right back. It's the J. Doherty Podcast at 11 a.m. on the dot. 11.02 on the J. Doherty Podcast. We're back here, uh, live streaming this event and recording the event as well to be played on the J. Doherty Podcast, episode number, uh, 26. That'll be out, uh, there, but, wow, that was amazing, uh, you know, Trump, in my opinion, missed a lot of opportunities uh, there with uh, Putin. Uh, he could have, in that moment when he was talking and uh, with all of you know the people there, uh, and he could have just immediately denounced, saying, telling Vladimir Putin, even though that he denied uh, Vladimir or denied that Russia hacked or had any sort of collusion with the. Uh, United States with this uh, particular issue uh, in the hacking of, in the attack of democracy, Trump, uh, Vladimir Putin denied it and then handed him a soccer ball. They, um, he was very cordial with each other, extremely charismatic. Uh, on all accounts and all of the intelligence agencies, it has been uh, proven with, with indictments and documents and memos and all evidence points towards Russia. However, for some reason, they just can't accept that. And when the guy gives him a soccer ball and asks him to be charismatic and everything like that, or ask him to be just cordial and have uh, just, just you know, all that, not even asking him, but just, just acting like that, why couldn't he just tell straight away and clear everything up, tell Vladimir Putin, just like all other rivals, just stay away from us, we're powerful, we can, you know, why attack democracy, we've had issues, why couldn't he just say that and clear everything up, I don't know why he could have said that, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin came into there saying, uh, we'd rather have dialogue than confrontation, but when you do things that, uh, well, that when evidence points to you doing things wrong, doing things that attack democracy, you probably should expect some sort of uh, confrontation or punishment from the rival, especially as Russia and the United States 
have been longtime rivals. Uh, we'll have full analysis on all of the things that happen uh, on next week's JDRC Politics. So if you want to go to JDRCPolitics.com, we'll have some live updates. We have a Twitter where we update constantly uh, the news that is happening. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the JDRC Podcast. It has been quite a long episode. A live stream. I don't know exactly how long the, the uh, edited version of this will be. We've been, li- or we've been uh, live here for about uh, two and a half hours, so it'll probably be cut down to maybe a little bit over an hour, an hour and a half, or something like that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast. My name is Jay Doherty. It is the Jay Doherty Podcast. This podcast comes out every single week. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and all of your favorite podcast directories. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast, brought to you in part by Blueberry. Uh, just use the promo code Jay Doherty at checkout, and you'll save, uh, you'll get one month free, but also you'll really support the show. It helps so much. Uh, the only reason that we were able to broadcast this live today and get all the equipment ready and get everything uh, all set up with all the clips and the research and the analysis and everything, the live video feeds, is because of you listeners out there. Uh, so go ahead and go to our website, go to j-dorty.com, you'll find out all the information. Use the code jdorty at checkout at Blueberry, that's all one word, J-A-Y-D-O-H-E-R-T-Y. Thanks for listening to the podcast, my name is Jay Doherty, and this is the Jay Doherty Podcast. We're out, it is 11.06am on the live stream. Thank you for everyone who tuned in and watched, was watching, staying in the chat room there. Uh, if you want to watch podcasts live, go to j-dorty.com slash live. Thanks for everyone for listening. This is the Jay Doherty Podcast, goodbye.